Welcome to On the Bubble Podcast, episode 27. I'm your host, Sabasa J. Ueda, and with me is my co-host, Yuki Lee Bender. Today, we're going to be talking about our Outsiders wish list. So that's going to be things that we want in Outsiders, but aren't either announced or... Like, we don't actually know what's going to be in Outsiders yet. So these are going to be things that we are hoping to get, essentially. And we're also going to be touching a little bit on Calling Auckland and its top 8. So before we go into that, how was your week, Yuki? Yeah, my week's been pretty good. I took a little bit of a relaxing weekend. Um, The only thing I really did was go out and go shopping. Um, My friend is getting married and his bride um, is, uh, she has Indian heritage. So we're going to be doing an Indian themed wedding and we were shopping for some like clothing for a bunch of the people going to the wedding and that was kind of cool i've never done that before so it was cool to like go out to um surrey which has like a large uh indian population and like like when i say indian i mean east indian population and they were um yeah it was just really cool like seeing all the different clothes and kind of learning a little bit about it and picking stuff out so it was fun how about you jay so this week i helped out my friend greg uh all on his channel uh he has a youtube channel called greg goes all in and he was at about 49,000 subscribers last week. And he decided to do like a subathon-esque thing where he basically didn't end his stream until he hit 50,000 subs. And that lasted about five days. So basically every day I was um, going to his house and help make a little bit of content slash live stream. And during that... I uh, on stream I said, "Oh, if you hit this number of subscribers within a specific time frame, I'll shave my head." Ooh. Did uh, did they end up making the goal? They ended up getting 49,800 subs. It was by Thursday by 8 p.m. and uh at 7 o'clock I checked in and Greg was like 80 away from that goal. And I was like, "Okay, no way he's getting 80 subs in you know, 45 minutes. No way. I check in about 10 minutes before the time and he's actually hit the school. And from what I've heard, what he's what he did was he went to other streams, like other other popular poker streams, uh, super chatted them $100 US each. And just to say, please come and sub to get this man bald. <laughs> I guess he really wanted to see you shave your head. <laughs> You know what? You deserve this. So I drove over to his place, got the hair shaved that night. It's all on stream. I guess if you want to watch it, it's there. It should be in his uh on his channel. It's yet again. It's Greg goes all in. It's uh it's a good channel, honestly. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, have you? I don't think I've ever seen you with shaved hair. You've always had sort of like long hair or more medium length hair. Have you ever shaved your head before? Yeah, I had my hair shaved once before. It was like four years ago. Yeah, it was about four years ago last time I got my hair shaved. Uh, that was when I had like long enough hair to donate the hair. So I ended up just doing that. I see. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's always nice to be able to donate for a cause like that. So Okay, let's uh, move on and let's talk about the Calling Auckland. So we have a little bit of information about it. There's no article on FabTCG yet on the Calling Auckland. We are recording on the Monday right after the calling. But we do know the top eight, which was 2-4 Oldham, 
one Bravo, and one Lexi with a Lexi Dash Finals. Yeah, so really cool to see some different heroes represented in the finals. I feel like going in, like Oldham and Icelander, even after the bans, like proved themselves to be very strong contenders in Indianapolis. And while Oldham was still present, like notably no Icelander, and then also no Oldham when we got to the finals. And honestly, even come semis, three of the Oldhams were eliminated, and there was just like one Oldham, two Lexi, Sorry, one Oldham, two Dash, and Alexi in the semis. So, yeah, Oldham just falling off pretty hard in top eight. Yeah, Dash doing very well. Yeah, which is kind of funny because it's a deck that we had talked about. I remember we were both pretty high on Dash um, when we did our like first impression on the ban announcement, and then it sort of just didn't do anything. And then now in Calling Auckland, um, it seems like maybe Dash is having our time to shine. So that's really interesting to see. Yeah, that's very good for my collection. I'm curious to see, or I'm curious to, like, I kind of wonder, New Zealand often kind of has, like, a little bit more of a defensive metagame, and my impression, just from kind of watching some of the feature games and from what I heard, I think there was, like, quite a bit of, like, defensive dash list with lots of D-Reacts and life gain and generics. Um, like, I think I saw a dash on stream at some point that was, like, it was like fairly, it might have been like a day two match or something that was running like titanium bobble <laughs> in his deck. Um, because I think he wanted to turn on his like nourishing emptinesses, anyways. Wow, yeah, he he went real deep there, <laughs> dude. Titanium bobble, man, titanium bobble with nourishing emptiness. Wow, that's I, I didn't even think of that. That's that's pretty sweet, yeah. So I'm not sure like how much he got to pull it off, but. I'm assuming that's what it was for, because I believe there was Nourishing Emptiness in that in that deck loss. And what about uh, Lexi, your Lexi main? Any comments on that deck? Yeah, it's really cool to see someone doing well with it. Um, I know a few people have been kind of putting up results, and I know that um, Chris Ayali um, also has been playing a whole bunch of Lexi recently. If you don't know who Chris is, he was the world's finalist, world's runner-up, so very accomplished player. Um, so yeah, I think she might just be like a little bit better than I give her credit for. And if the metagame was more defensive, which it seemed like it probably was, I think that's actually a pretty good spot for Lexi because even though she can be fatigued, I think that really strong Lexi pilots are going to be able to just go over the top most of the time because you're pretty good at just presenting consistent damage. Like you can do two arrows for 10, that sort of demand a lot of blocks it's kind of hard to just like sit there and gain life and then you can just set up some giant 30 40 damage rain razors turn and sort of just push over and maybe leak a bit of damage with like lightning press or you can usually find a way to get it done so i think that the more proactive disruption based holdems were a lot more problematic than the more defensive ones and i wonder if maybe that's part of why um part of why lexi did well i'm not sure exactly what he played against uh, in the tournament do you want to move on to our Outsiders wishlist? Oh, um, before we do that, we have a few brand new spoilers to look at that were dropped, um, I guess, over the weekend. And they're all ninja cards. So why don't we touch on those? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's start with Dishonor. I'll just read out the card for you guys. So this is a blue pitch zero cost, and it's a two power attack that's a ninja action attack card with three blocks and this card reads combo if bonds of ancestry was the last last attack this combat chain 
this has plus 2 power. When this hits a hero, if you control Surging Strike, Descendant Gust Wave, and Bonds of Ancestry, that hero loses all abilities for the rest of the game. Yeah, so this is an on-hit like we've never seen before. Um, usually the on-hits are sort of like a one-time effect, like Command and Conquer destroys an arsenal, Snatch draws a card, or sometimes it will be for a turn, like Remorseless makes them lose a life every time they play an action for that turn, or Spinal Crush turns off go again for a turn, but we've never seen something that persists throughout the whole game. And it's going to depend on the matchup, but losing your hero text for a lot of heroes is a pretty big deal, and in some cases can be almost game losing. Like, Levia comes to mind if you get hit by this, you just can't turn off blood debt. And if you have a bunch of blood debt, you're just going to lose. Oh, even Lexi. Like, Lexi losing her ability to flip over cards, that's going to be, makes it very hard to to load arrows, right? To, like, if you are end step arsenal a card, and if you can't flip it over, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's true. I had sort of just, like, dismissed it and be like, oh, Lexi doesn't need to flip that badly. But then you're right. I always liked playing Sleep Dart into Lexi. So I guess that makes a lot of sense that it's hard to, like, it's hard to arsenal an arrow, then flip it up and use New Horizon. So, so yeah, it's actually pretty good against Lexi, too. Yeah, there's some heroes like Dash, um, which doesn't really have a hero ability after it's used. And this card does actually nothing against that deck. Yeah, but that being said, it's still a blue three block that attacks for two. And I mean, hey, if <laughs> if you're getting this off of Bonds of Ancestry, um, off of the tutor effect from Bonds of Ancestry, and you're just coming in for four power with your blue card, that is totally fine. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. Um, so there's one card on here that we don't actually know. It's called Descendant Gust Wave. Um, that card hasn't been spoiled for us yet. Uh, we will talk about Dishonor again once Descendant Gust Wave does come out. But uh, this card is pretty sick because Bonds of Ancestry is like a 0 for 8 with this card still. Like, man, Bonds of Ancestry is the most most messed up card that I've I've seen printed in a while. Yeah, it's just really, really far above, right? I kind of wonder... I wonder if there's a cycle of it or only the reds because, honestly, the yellows are totally playable too. And even the blues, zero for six. Um, and the other thing I want to mention too is like if you have blue Bonds of Ancestry and you have like Dishonor, um, I think that... Mask of the Pouncing Links becomes a real potential option for Katsu. Like I don't, I don't think you'll get rid of momentum. I think you'll still want it for certain matchups. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, if you can just like fix your Dishonor combo line in a relevant matchup using Pouncing Links, if that's like pretty threatening. Wow, that's I haven't even thought about that. But uh, let's talk about the other cards. Uh, let's go with the. Let's go with the generic attacks first. Or sorry, the ninja attacks first. Uh, the first card will be Be Like Water. So the one that got spoiled is a red line zero cost. And it attacks for three and blocks for two. This card reads, when this hits, you may pay one. If you do, choose Head Jab, Surgeon Strike, or Twin Twisters. This gains the chosen name and has to go again. Yeah, so this is... Just a head jab, which we've seen is a can be a constructed level card. I think it becoming these things is pretty strong, um, especially because we have like the new the new combo line that is hung off of surging strike. So I I suspect that in constructed play, um, 
yeah, you can just play this and make it into a surging strike. And I mean, like the blue doesn't block for two, and it's not a combo. It only blocks for two, and it's not a combo card. But I mean, hey, your blue like one cost attack, and then if it's hit hits, it turns on your combo line. Seems okay. Honestly, I don't know how much you want to use this ability in constructed, but seems pretty good for limited. Yeah, definitely seems really strong in limited. I think it will let Benji kind of utilize combo lines more easily because Benji doesn't have the uh, the tutor effect to search for whatever he needs. And the next card I want to talk about will be Head Leads the Tail. This card is a red line as well, cost one. It is a mythic, so I'm assuming we don't have the yellow or blue. But this one attacks for three, blocks for two. And it reads, when this attacks, name another card. Attack action cards of the same name have plus one power this combat chain. And this has go again. So first card that comes into my mind is Crouching Tiger. Yeah, this feels like a plant for the Crouching Tiger line. That deck hasn't been good enough. I think that this is a pretty powerful card for that deck. It's a starter that also enables your Crouching Tigers. And it's just like a fine card on its own, which is like maybe the biggest knock I have against that archetype is that just so many of your cards don't do anything. Like you put three Crouching Tigers that do... Is it Predatory Strike? You put three Crouching Tigers into your hand and they just don't do anything <laughs> unless you have another card to enable them. So I think this helps, but I'm not sold that this makes that archetype good. Man, I wish it gave plus two. Oh, if it gave plus two, that'd be real strong. Um, you could use this with something like Double Strike as well, but I don't think you're accomplishing all that much because then you've like spent a pitch and two cards for seven and like maybe you fell it in with your Kadachis for nine and you've done some like awkward break points, but I don't know. Seems well, fine. If you have three double strikes with uh head leads the tail, use a uh, tunic, head leads the tail, and then go six uh double strikes in a row. That's that that's reasonable. That's fair. That is Actually, it's not even that good, is it? It's three, okay. Four, four, four. Yeah, it just makes your your double strikes into four for zeros. That they, I mean, they do work very well with masculine momentum, so that's pretty strong. But yeah, okay. But I it 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 sounded cooler in my head, and when I thought about it, it's actually not that much better. So never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this card's okay, but I don't know. Maybe like hundred wins also wants to play a lot of the same card. I, I don't think like any of these are. It feels like the best, the the strongest uh, combo cards that we've seen, which is Surging Strike, Whelming Gust Wave, and maybe like the Leg Tap line, just don't really care about this. So I don't really expect it to be super good. But who knows? Maybe there's something new in this set that we don't know about. And the last card that's been spoiled uh, this week is a card called Mask of Many Faces. This is a ninja equipment headpiece. And it's going to. Oh, and it blocks for one. I didn't even notice this card blocks for one with uh, Blade Break. And uh, this card reads, instant, pay a resource, destroy mask of many faces. Name a card. The next attack action you play this turn gains that name. I'll start by saying this card is just sweet. I, I kind of love this card. I like the design space of, like, it just feels very thematic. And I like the, the design space of, like, changing the name of the card so that you can kind of cheat your your combo cards. Um I think it's worth noting that it gains that name, which I think means it has both names. Yeah, it will have both names, yes. So like your Bonds of Ancestry, you could like make your Descendant Gust Wave called Bonds of Ancestry, and then you would 
turn on a dishonor with one fewer card, for example. Um, I don't know that this is like a constructed level power power level card, but that's like the kind of stuff that you can do with it. You can also make your surging strike name descendant gust wave and then go straight oh, into bonds. No, no, no. Strength. I don't. I don't think this would work with dishonor. Oh, maybe not. Because you need to control a surging strike, descendant gust wave, and bonds of ancestry. I don't know if that that looks for three separate cards. Yeah, I guess we'll need some rules text, but it can definitely do some cool stuff. It works with bonds of ancestry for sure because it just looks for gust wave in the name. So yeah, seems like a really sweet limited card though. Yeah, no, this card seems perfect for Benji. Benji was gonna have some issues making combo lines, and same with the uh, be like water, the attack action we talked about just earlier. It's um, it helps put together combo lines without having to have the hero ability to do so. Yeah, I have a uh, I have a dream that I want to live with this card in limited, but it's it's gonna be pretty hard. I want to go surging strike into Descendant Gustwave, assuming that is a zero cost. Um, and then you can play, you can activate Mask, name Descendant Gustwave, play a Bonds of Ancestry, tutor for another Bonds of Ancestry, play that Bonds of Ancestry, then tutor for something. The problem is, is that you need three Bonds of Ancestry in your deck and like one of them to be in your hand and one in your graveyard. So that's why I say like it's a dream that I hope I can live. But that line is really powerful if you can do it dude that's a that's a triple rare line can we do yeah. this in sealed i mean maybe like it might happen you could draft like a blue one or something like i don't know it's if there if there's a cycle i don't know man wow that that sounds that sounded amazing yeah i think there's gonna be some sweet stuff that you can do with this card honestly so honestly even just surging strike naming gust wave and then you go right into bonds of ancestry and i don't know get like a four for zero off of it or something that's like i don't know what gust wave does but you're probably doing something like five four four and four no no sorry you, you don't get the middle attack so it's like five four four off of three cards pretty good 13 damage off of three cards very strong yeah very very strong uh let's move on to uh, our main topic, which is our Outsider's wish list. Right before we talk about that, do you want to just do a quick breakdown of what we currently know? Yeah, so we know that this is a six-hero set. There's two of each class. So there's Katsu and Benji as the ninjas returning. We don't know if Benji is going to get an adult hero or not. Um, there's Azalea returning. And then we have Riptide as the other ranger. That's a new hero. Um, for assassins, we have Uzuri as a new hero and Arachne as an adult returning. And then we have a new young Arachne that seems to be for the limited format. And we don't know what young the young Arachne's um, hero ability is going to be. We also know that young Arachne has a new weapon called an Orbitoclast or something. I don't know the name of the weapon, but yeah, that is right. And young Arachne has 19 health. Uh, so does Riptide and Benji, right? Or no, Riptide has 20. No, Riptide has 19. Does Benji, Benji have 19 or 18? 18. 18, 18, right? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see like what Arachne and Riptide are doing that warrants the, um, the lower life total. I'm hoping it's going to be something broken. Yeah, it'll be very, very curious to see. I guess beyond that, we know that there are both generic cards 
as well as hybrid class cards. So hybrid class cards would be, we've seen like Codex of Frailty, which is a ninja and ranger action. So you can play it in ninja or ranger. Um, and we have seen, sorry, yes, ninja, uh, assassin and ranger. Thank you. Yeah, assassin ranger, yes. And we've also seen Death Touch, which is, again, an Assassin Ranger card. And so we know that these exist not only at Majestic, but also at Common, which I think is pretty cool. I think the last little information that's important is that um, we know it's uh, 14 card boosters. So that's just for the limited portion for the draft. Um, it's going to be the same as Uprising. It's going to be a little... We're going to be a little bit short on cards again. Yeah. And I guess it will just depend how... We'll have to see how the, the format how the draft environment kind of shakes out. And if you end up feeling as tight on cards, it kind of, I think a lot of it comes down to like how flexible the cards are. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first, limited or constructed? Uh, why don't we start with limited? Okay, sounds great. Maybe we can just um, alternate here. Yeah. yeah, so the first one that I have is I just want more ability to stay open in this format. Um, I was hoping for 15 card boosters. We're not getting that. I feel like the hybrid cards at common in every pack are a good first step as well as generics. I'm kind of hoping that there's like strong generics and the hybrid cards are like pretty good and maybe there's a few of them in every pack so that you kind of get kind of almost like tails where you can just be drafting like multiple decks at the same time and lock in a little bit later. I think that would make the, the format feel a lot better. I'd also kind of like if they had, you know, like an Arcane Rising um it felt like a lot of the cards kind of fit in two decks like back alley break line went in um azalea and it also went in dash because they could like flip it off the top and get the action point and then a lot of the pumps were good in like viscerai and azalea because they cared about the non-attacks so i kind of hope that we have that going on where like the cards feel good and like premium cards and multiple heroes I'm assuming that that's where the um, the hybrid card is is gonna come in place. Where that's just gonna clearly that that one's gonna clearly tell you which two. I guess technically four heroes it can go into. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that you know we could maybe see a similar thing happen with the generics as well, where they kind of slot into multiple decks. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so for one of my points, or two of the points that I had, it gets covered here. What you just said. I said less class cards and more generics, basically meaning the same thing as you. I want I want more flexibility in the draft. And I also just briefly mentioned about the, I want to go back to 15 cards or even 16 cards, honestly. Um, but my first new point is I want flagstone. But before, before you carry on, I actually have one thing to ask you. So we're both kind of wanting to have a little bit more flexibility and more time to stay open. What do you think is like a good... So I guess Uprising was sort of like maybe around pick four, pick five at the latest. You kind of were decided on your deck. What do you think is kind of like a ideal, regardless of like what's possible, like what would be an ideal point for you to be able to like stay open until pick? Like what, like what, what pick do you think would be a good goal? Ideal? Ideally, I want to be able to stay open until the first pick of pack two like that would be that would be beautiful because then you can open up your second pack and then see the most powerful card in that pack and you can even like either pivot into it or or you know combine it with the current cards whereas like right now in flesh and blood i think that would be the biggest knock against this game is that whatever you open on your first pack and what gets past you in your first pack 
greatly determines what you can do for your next two packs. I think I agree. I think the longer they can extend it, and like up to pack two is like probably a pretty ideal point. Although even if you could get, a, I think even if you could get around to the wheel and stay open until wheel, so pick nine, um, that would be a big deal because then you would get a ton of information about what pack. Like you could remember what cards get taken out of the pack and then make a. You, you get just so much more information if you get to see the wheel. So. I guess I would also like to be able to stay open to pack two, but I'd also be pretty happy if we could stay open until the wheel. So pack pick nine. Yeah, pick nine. Yeah. Honestly, realistically, I think pick nine would probably be pretty good for Flesh and Blood. WTR and ARC, you actually can wait until pick nine. I feel like even Tails, to some degree, like you're probably not truly open, but you can probably decide between, you can sometimes decide between two heroes around like around there or maybe just slightly before there yeah i think so too i think um around pick nine is around is i guess yeah you are right you have two heroes you have to lock into two heroes and then around end of pack one you have to be like okay i'm pretty sure i'm in Olam, or i'm pretty sure i'm in briar but you get you can still pivot in pack two if you open like a like a busted card yeah, and especially if you have a lot of those element cards. Um, I'm really kind of hoping that those um, those hybrid cards end up playing out kind of similarly. And I think they will, so long as they are A, good cards, and B, there's like a similar number of them as there were element cards. Like if there's like one of them per pack, it's not going to do... Like it will help, but it won't be that big. But if there's like three or four of them per pack, I think it's going to really make the draft feel a lot more flexible. Yeah, yeah. Am I good to move on? Mm-hmm. So my first point would be I want flagstone cards at rare. What I mean by flagstone cards, um, this is like a more of a magic term. They indicate or they're like clearly powerful cards for specific color pairs. So in this case, it'll be for specific heroes. I want a card that just reads like this card is a Benji card, not a Katsu card um, that does very powerful things for Benji. Or vice versa. I want like a card that's like specifically made for Katsu that are going to be very powerful in Katsu um, at the rare slots. So then we can... So like basically, so that card will wheel around and you have powerful picks later. How do I describe it? Like I just want to... I just want to have some, some good payoffs. Even if let's say like Young Arachne is like quote-unquote the worst hero. But then if you get let's say, like, three Young Arachne-specific rares, the deck becomes very good. Something like that. So, like, I just like I just like the sense of flagstones in, in the sense of, like, it really gets you help get you either on the rails of that deck or get into that deck if you notice that this card's much more open. Um, we haven't had anything like that in, in Uprising... It was not that prevalent in, in, I think, I don't think in any of the formats, actually. We yeah. had, like, V of the Vanguard and Monarch. Like, you know, that was, like, the only card that I can think of. Or, like, Seeds of Agony in Monarch as well. Like, Soul Reaping comes to mind for Chain. That was a super oh, yeah, Soul card. Reaping. That's, a, that's an even better card, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think they could be these legendary specializations, but I think that they could also just honestly be, like, regular specializations that you can fit multiple in your deck one of the things that was I, I i think i agree with you on this one and one of the things that feels really nice about having these kind of like flagstone cards is that 
like sometimes if you're i don't know let's say you start out drafting uzuri and then you're like okay i can't draft this like it's contested but i noticed that i'm getting like some cards for young arachne and like maybe it's not that powerful but it seems like it's open sometimes if you're you can correctly identify that that hero is open and no one else is drafting it you can just get like super late very powerful cards because they only go in that one deck and it sort of like rewards you for reading the draft and navigating and like finding the open lane which i think we've seen that flesh and blood really um not that you can't stay open in flesh and blood at all but there's a lot of players who have done very very well for themselves just forcing a single hero regardless of what everyone else at the table is doing and i think that it's nice to give some incentive to be a little more flexible too yeah one example comes to mind uh I had one of my friends, uh, Anthony. Uh, I taught him how to play Flesh and Blood, and he only played Tales of Tales of Aria draft. And on his first draft, I just told him, "If you want to win this draft, it's very easy. You go first pick blue line, three block that you can play in Guardian." And then he just had like twenty nine blue block, sorry, a three block blue cards. And I think he went 2-1, just blocking and swinging hammer every turn. Yeah. So it's just like, if you force, it's powerful. Like, it it can definitely beat people. It's just very hard to go 3-0 forcing. Yeah, yeah, unless you get lucky. But but yeah, I think that the those kind of like very powerful cards that fit in exactly one deck would be really cool, especially, especially in a set like this where there's six, at least six decks, right? Like, there's six different heroes and then maybe going into my next point, I hope that there's sort of like build arounds or archetypes within those heroes so that like, I think it'd be really amazing if we, we kind of saw this in WTR that you could build like a defensive Katsu, you could build a more aggressive Katsu, you could build a Katsu built around leg tap or around whelming gust wave and they all kind of felt different. And I think that I hope like, I realize it's hard because we also have six classes, but if they somehow manage to fit in like even two archetypes for some of the heroes, I think that this format could be incredible because there could just be like a way bigger variety of decks in this format than we've ever seen in Flesh and Blood. And I think that just helps make, it just gives you like more things to explore in the draft format and gives more longevity compared to like Uprising, where it's like, there's three decks, there's Dromai, there's Icelander and there's Phi, and you either have the good version of that deck, or you have the medium one, or you have the bad one. But they all want the same cards. I guess Dromai had like two flavors to to Dromai in Uprising. Yeah, I guess so. You had like a very defensive Dromai deck, or it had the it had the more aggressive ones. It was just like because because Dromai had a lot of three blocks, like a lot of her cards were just three blocks naturally. You. You got to play a little bit more defensively if you wanted to. I think maybe just like for me, at least, Dromai felt a little bit less like this because Dromai just has so many bad cards that like <laughs> often it's just like the Dromai deck that you wind up with. Whereas in WTR, I feel like you could actively seek out like Katsu control versus like aggressive Katsu versus like, I don't know, like surging or leg tap. Like you could like actively make decisions to go towards a certain one of those and that was kind of missing in Uprising. Like, even though, like, I guess there is variety in Dromai, it still felt, like, really on rails. Yeah, you, you, weren't, you weren't really picking to get to that deck. It was more of, like, I'm forced into this version of the deck. Yeah, exactly. The next point that I have here is, um, I just wrote more sideboard options. 
I want to be able to change my deck depending on who I'm playing against. So I want like generic sideboard cards, like either something that targets specifically specifically the arsenal or maybe like weapon attacks if you're up against ninja or I don't exactly know what's in this format yet, but generic cyborg cards that are like specifically good against like a hero or a class and not so good against other heroes. Basically, I want it so that like at the beginning of each game when during hero reveal, we get to like sculpt our deck a little bit more than what happened in Uprising. And honestly, even like like ARC, like ARC, like once you have your your deck, you really didn't really change anything. Yeah, like you might have like a few cards, like maybe you bring in like a few extra D reacts against Bravo or something. Yeah, or like I guess an uprising, you were like, oh, I take out my junky blue two block and put a yellow three block in. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, it wasn't super meaningful, or like you had like a couple. I don't know. I guess like Icelander could do this a little bit. Like you had like your Arctic incarcerations for five, but but that's yeah. kind of like the best example I can think of. Oh, blue strategic planning. Oh, that card was good against five. Yeah, and I think in order for that to happen, we really need to see like these flexible cards, um, so that you have like a deeper card pool. Because a lot of times in Flesh and Blood, you're just like scrapping to be like, "Ooh, do I have to play the Crack Bobble or like the Yellow that's like basically a Crack Bobble that can block two, or like you know, or do I have thirty like playable cards that I'm like kind of okay with?" But you rarely have the space to also sideboard. So maybe that will be possible, but. Yeah, yeah. I think that just goes back to the original point you were talking about. If it was fifteen cards, just makes it that much more easier to do so. I will say that um, the ailments we have might give a little bit of that potentially. Like inertia attacking the arsenal seems relevant against Ranger for sure. I don't know about the new heroes. Also, what is it? Frailty. Frailty reduces damage of attacks from arsenal. So. I don't know if there's multiple heroes wanting to play from Arsenal, but there, if there is, you could have, like... Why am I just saying cards that affect Ranger? Anyways, maybe they affect <laughs> other classes, too. We'll see. <laughs> well, Frailty also reads uh, weapon weapon attacks. Oh, okay, so it'll probably be pretty good against, like, Ninja... Well, I guess it depends on their weapon if they're playing. Yeah, we're, they I'm going to assume it's going to be Kodachi's. Do you have another point? Yeah, I think I, I can kind of segue nicely off of that, actually. My next point, and actually my last point, was I'd really like to see two token weapons per class, and then you can pick between them. I think that would just add a ton of depth, and I kind of actually got this idea from Oliver Fye's cube, the midwinter cube that we talked about before with Ranger, and was I think it was like Kino, Icelander, Azalea, and Lexi, and that you had multiple so you could play like death dealer or you could play shiver um and like kino and icelander could play waning moon or crucible and i felt like having that option just added and like potentially even changing like depending on the matchup just added so much depth to that draft experience and i think that if you could just like have two token weapons per class it would make a lot of sense and be really cool even if they like kind of lean towards one hero like maybe there's spots where you want to use it in the other hero yeah that would actually be cool but unfortunately i don't think that's gonna be the case because i think benji already has a weapon right it has the has a needle right which is like you wouldn't play two copies of that card yeah but they could give a new weapon like 
Or I guess they could just give Katsu Kodachi Kodachi Needle. Yeah. Or they could just give Kodachi Kodachi, like, a ninja weapon we haven't seen before. We saw, like, Icelander already had her signature Kraken Aether Vine, and then they're just like, here's Waning Moon, <laughs> and everybody forgot about that weapon, so... Oh! They, they, they definitely could do it. Icelander had a different weapon? Yeah. It's, it's the one... You know what? Waning Moon doesn't go away if Icelander living legends. What? Yeah. Unless they've changed it. Her her weapon was always the Kraken Aethervine, the three three cost deal one, and then you draw cards equal to the amount of damage the weapon dealt. Wait, that card goes away when Icelander gets LL'd? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. That's that's somewhat sad. It it, it kind of it doesn't make a lot of sense, but that all that's to say we could see new token weapons that allow for this. I don't know. Uh, I guess we do have Chain already with a good example. Like, I was playing Rosetta Thorn, but it, it actually took away... What is that card called? Nebula... Not Nebula Blade. It's the other one. Oh, yeah. I know it wasn't. Uh, Galaxy Block. Galaxy Block, yeah. You can't play Galaxy Block anymore. And he's Nebula Blade than Rosetta Thorn, so <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> And uh, I have one last uh, point as well. It's uh, very similar to yours. I want another Helios Miter equivalent. This doesn't have to be a headpiece. I just want a token equipment. Like leg piece, arm piece, chest piece. I don't care. Just something we can play, has some kind of utility, and makes it a little bit easier on the on drafting equipments. Because drafting equipment is difficult and... At basically every level, you know, you go to your local armory and people overvalue the equipment or you, you go anywhere and you're like, people know equipment is good, so equipment goes away fast. So I just want to have the experience of being able to have like a full equipment suite or at least like two or three pieces and having the token slot be an equipment very, I felt like it was really good for Uprising and I want that to continue. Yeah, I don't have that on my list but i agree that that would be awesome to see and i think especially if it's like they could even have a pretty good equipment that's not super interesting like i'm thinking like back to wtr and like maybe it doesn't work in that set because like there's like a different like every class has like a class equipment and a different slot but if that wasn't the case like and everybody just had like an iron rod chess piece or something like that would honestly feel pretty good. Because, <laughs> like, it's not... It's never, like, that exciting to draft the Iron Rod chess piece. Like, you know that it's good, and you know that you're going to put it in your deck. But, like, you're always like, yeah, okay. Like, maybe that's, like, not the best example because there's, like, other really good chess pieces in that set. But I think you get what I mean. Like, if it was, like, Uprising, and you could just draft, like, an Iron... You, like, had an up, uh, Iron Rod chess, uh, chess piece, it would just be, like, kind of nice. Yeah, it really would be nice. And yeah, like as I so I made a wish list, like please just continue this for every set. Like I I don't really care how good or bad it is. Like honestly, it could be as bad as like Ragamuffin's hat. Like mm -hmm. if you had a, if you had access to Ragamuffin Ragamuffin's hat every time, maybe there'll be more spots where that card was good. You know, like people will be talking about it more instead of being like just don't draft this card. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, uh, that was my last point for limited. Yeah, I've mentioned all my points as well. So it seems like we really just want like more build arounds, more way to stay open, more ways to be like flexible and have options in the draft, and just like have a format that's going to last a long time. We, this is definitely a little bit uh, what's it called, skewed towards like I want to have more options. 
I guess, uh, because we do draft a lot, but honestly, it's a good thing, you know, when people get in, when people start getting into limited, that's the thing that should give the most enjoyment is the amount of options you have during the draft portion. Yeah, like maybe we're a little bit spoiled coming from Magic's draft. Like I know some people, Flesh and Blood's their first game that they've ever played that has a draft. And I'll just say that having that flexibility to like, like the, the, the most sweet Magic sets are where you always have like, I don't know, like you're just like, oh, I can combine these bad cards and then like make a cool deck around it that like I never thought about before. And maybe I wouldn't have explored that right away. And maybe it's not even the best thing to do, but like, I managed to win a draft with something I never seen before on my like fiftieth draft, and that's just like it's a really sweet feeling. Yes, yes, definitely. Let's uh move on to constructed next. My main point I talked about this uh last episode as well, or I guess I didn't exactly say this point, but I want Azuri to have a defensive ability instead of an offensive ability. This is uh this is uh purely my own tastes. I want to play a defensive deck. I like the Arachne playstyle currently, where you're just like grinding out the whole deck. My only complaint about Arachne is her ability is not defensive nor offensive. So I want Azuri to be able to either gain life, uh, put on an on hit to, to her attacks uh, that either forces blocking or makes it really annoying. So like they have to use a card in their hand to block for sure. I don't know, just like being able to move one of their arsenal cards into the exiled pile or something like that. Yeah, fair. How, how would you feel about Arachne getting maybe like some defensive tools in this set? Uh, you know what? I'm going to just talk about my other point, which is uh, very similar. I just want Assassin to have a block four at zero cost or an easy condition. Oh, so like a class-specific sync below? Yeah, a class-specific sync below. That maybe if it reads something like it blocks for two at red, or I guess it blocks for three at red, gets plus one if your opponent has three exiled cards. Okay, that could be interesting. You know, I would I would love that. Like, just, man, that would be amazing. Like, I don't want to play Oasis or Spy. That card is, I think it's still going to make the deck, but like that card, oh, that card costs one. It's so hard to make resource in that deck. Yeah, Oasis is, uh, I hate that card. <laughs> But it's so good against so many decks. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just need it, but I still hate that card. Unless you're like Oldham. Like if you're like Oldham and you can just crown Rampart. Then use like... all your resources. You pitch a blue and you spend all three resources somehow. Yeah, yeah. But for most decks, like Oasis just... Like when it lines up with your tunic, it's pretty good. But when it doesn't, man, is it bad. No, 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 no. That, you have to line it up with your tunic. That's, that's, that's where you're getting it wrong. It's not that you have you don't you don't you don't hope it lines up. You have to line it up. Yeah, but like sometimes you just like sometimes you just can't. Like, what if you draw two oasis? Like you're just you're just like pitch an oasis to play your oasis, and then you're sad because you know you're gonna redraw it later. No, 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 no. You pitch oasis anyways because you need it in your pitch stack, and then you arsenal the other oasis and wait for the tunic to tick up next turn. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the amount of that's 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 where you have to be, Yuki. Like. You need to be in like, how do I get this back in my pitch deck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I hope to the card that I'm, if I'm playing a long grindy deck, I hope the card I'm trying to pitch deck is not Oasis Respite, but. Oh, it's it's good though. It's so good. Oasis Respite pitch deck is so good because players don't expect it. And you're like, oh, Tunic Resource, Oasis Respite, gain one life. And you're like, 
and they're like, oh, I didn't think about this card. But how do they... they forgot about it, you know? Oh, I see. I guess if they forgot about it. I was going to say, but they saw you pitch it. But yeah, I guess if they just forgot. A lot of people just forget, you know? Like, we, yeah, don't track the, we don't track the other player's pitch stack a lot of the times. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so I guess I have one on a similar note. I'll just combine these two points, actually. I really want outsiders to impact the metagame. I don't want another dynasty where it's just sort of like the same format again. I really hope that this actually like some of the new heroes change up the dynamics in the metagame and we see different heroes doing well. Um, and in particular, I hope that the metagame stays kind of mid-rangey where you're encouraged to do some blocking, you're encouraged to like have some disruption and do some attacking as well as some defending and i think that there's like some like i have some hope for this like we see like assassin being a disruption class katsu being much more flexible because like all his combo cards block three and then you have access to flick flack as a result so he can kind of like pivot to this more mid-range deck and maybe like the traps coming out for ranger also makes me kind of hopeful that maybe we'll move that way i just feel like kind of like we talked about last time like flesh and blood is best when I think it's like somewhere in the middle and you can do like some combination of both attacking and blocking. And I think like the more kind of mid-rangey and the more that you play a variety of hand sizes, like just the more interesting the games are, at least for me. That's fair. That's fair. So my next point, I want the Fabled in the set to be playable. I wrote like, I didn't want it to be a Drakai, um, Blood of Drakai. Blood of Drakai felt really bad. Like that card's a $30 card right now, I think. For a fable that sees no play, I, that I don't like. I, I want at least like a fable that does something that's like either unique or special or something that we can like really like work towards essentially. So like you know, I have a Fidelia is pretty sick in Kano, and I think that's its only home, and I think it's perfect. Like I want it doesn't have to be as good as Hard of Fendel. That's probably going a little bit too overboard, but. You know, like um, Grandeur. What is that card called? The Bravo. Yeah. Specialization. Something. Grandeur of Valdheim or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like the playability of that card, I think, is like beautiful. It's like it's exactly where you want it to be. Like cuttable, but maybe good. Okay. And Bl- Blood of Drakai is just not playable. Like I can't. I can't think of any Draconic heroes that want it. Um, like, Fi just cannot use that card. Dromai has a really hard time using that card. And um, the Emperor is the other Draconic card. Has no use for that card at all. I mean, I think it's probably at its best in Emperor. I just think that Emperor is not that good. And there's not enough one-cost Draconic cards. Yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah. So one question I have for you is how do you feel about, so so I agree that like having, I feel like there's just like this awkward tension where we have like, if you have like Blood of Drakai where it's like completely unplayable, it feels pretty bad. Or like even Korsham is like, like a little better, but kind of sad. I have seen Korsham in some people's decks. Yeah. I have never seen Blood of Drakai in some people's decks. That That's fair. It, it's like a step up. Yeah. It's, but it's still not it's, great. Of course I'm bad, but... But, like... You know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's this, like, awkward tension between that and then, like, like you said, with Hard to Find All and the card just being, like, 
becoming a staple in multiple decks, being really powerful. And honestly, I feel like I could do the same thing, especially with Azalea, the way that she is. Like, like if Sandscow or Great Bow becomes stock, I think that probably going to want to buy I have a in that deck. And I think like as we get more, we saw like Seaplay and Starvo, like I think that's a very strong fable. So I kind of, I don't know. I'm curious like if they should be trying to make the fables like exactly the right power level or if they should just not have mechanically unique fables and instead do like what they did in Dynasty with the Command and Conquer fabled where you just get like some cool full art cold foil reprint rather than i don't know rather than create this like 500 dollars <laughs> fabled card that you like have to put in your deck for margin lopsided i i like the unique fableds they they have like a little they feel a lot more special than like a typical trading card which is um which is a cool feeling honestly like i, I play a lot of tcgs you know that and like not everyone has access to it obviously because of the price point which is not a good thing for like competitive play i guess like it's it's hard to like get new like brand new players to like invest in a heart of Fendel essentially um but i feel like it's not actually that big of a problem hmm. how do i say it i think the best way i want to say it would be like the players that are going to play these tcgs competitively will not care how much a card is it doesn't matter if Let's say Command and Conquer. If Command and Conquer became like a $10,000 card, people will still buy it and people will still play it. Like, it's just... Okay, 10000 might be overboard, but like, let's say like... Let's say if it was like the dual land level, like 800 a piece, you know? six 700 a piece. People will still just buy it and play it. Like, it's... It doesn't matter to the competitive players. They just will play the best deck and the best combination. In those formats, they're going to be the slightly less competitive players that's still going to want to play and they'll have options like as long as the cards that are, are expensive is like either replaceable by like either playing a different deck or playing a card at similar power level i wouldn't say the same but like similar i can't really think of an example but like i think i see what you're saying like people are gonna tend to like the the most competitive players are still going to play whatever they think gives them the best chance to win, almost regardless of the price. Like, there's, like, probably a certain upper limit, but it's decently high. Yeah, there's going to be some kind of upper limit. But, like, I'm trying to say, like, if cards are unaffordable to some people, it's not that big of a detriment to the game. Um, when every deck is unaffordable for people, that's a detriment to a game. Where every single deck you want to try and play costs $10,000 plus, it's an unaffordable format. But Legacy and Magic, it's the most unaffordable format in Magic. You can still play Burn, which is a $40 deck or $60 deck. Um, I guess if you play Wasteland, it's like $100 more. But, you know, it's a $200 deck at most, and it's, like, fairly competitive. And there are examples like that in every format for, for a lot of different games where it would be, like, the budget best deck, which as long as that exists and that's tier... It doesn't really matter if, like, let's say, Hard Offendle costs $700. You can still play Oldham without Hard Offendle. Like, it's it's still going to be a good deck. Um, you lose some percentage point, like two or three percentage points, but that shouldn't be the reason that you don't play that deck for a calling or something like that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm not sure where I stand on it. Like, I feel like I, feel like I see what you're saying. Um, the mechanically 
unique cards are really cool and do feel really special. I don't think we're at a place where it's problematic yet. I hope it doesn't create problems, but I also... Can they reprint Fables? Do we know? They have a reprint policy. I'm pretty sure they're not going to reprint Heart of Fendel as a foil again, in English at least. Yeah, but like, as long as they can reprint it as like a non-foil, I guess, I guess there's always like a safety release valve. They just... There's also like a certain point where like if that card becomes so expensive, then reprinting could make people unhappy. So they need to manage it carefully. But but yeah, I guess we're not at like exactly the tipping point yet, but the cards are getting pretty expensive and starting to be out of reach for some players. So I know that can be a problem. Yeah, so the only thing that's never going to be reprinted as a cold foil um, ever is first edition cold foils. And cold foils, uh, that's not first edition from Uprising and Up. Right, so the cold foils are the non-reprintable, but the other rarities can be reprinted. Yes, uh, these cards still can be printed as a cold foil prize card. So like a gold foil, essentially. Right. Their flesh and blood reprint policy just says, yeah, to quote, it just says, when deciding to reprint a card, careful condi- consideration will be made to affect the reprint will have on the secondary card market and the amount of new demand that exists since the card's last printing. Okay, fair enough. Typically, that will mean that if it's going to get reprinted, it's going to be reprinted as a fabled again. And I don't think that's going to change anything. Yeah, okay. So back on track to our Outsiders wish list for Constructed. One thing I'm really hoping to see is, I feel like as much as I like Ranger, I've been getting sometimes a little bit frustrated with Ranger at times, just like as a competitive deck. And I feel like there's like a number of shortcomings that Ranger has, and I don't expect them to fix it all. I think it's like good for classes to have weaknesses, but I wish that they just gave like some tools to address some of these points. So like the the real pain points for me on Ranger right now are just like a lack of defensive options between all the two blocks and like no real good blocking equipment outside Perch Grapplers feels pretty bad so like a defensive equipment or more three blocks would go a long way um, traps could go a long way i also feel like they're super vulnerable to disruption just because they have so many moving parts and i think it could be thematic for ranger to have a way to deal with on hits or like to to soften the effect of on hits like i don't know like maybe an equipment that if you block with it it you there's no on hits for that for that one attack and it has blade break um, like as a chess piece or something, I think could be pretty interesting. And they just have like a lot of inconsistency with arrows. The quiver like sort of addresses that, but not entirely. But yeah, I'd like to see like some ways to just kind of deal with the incons- inconsistency of the deck and just like always getting disrupted by everything and not really being able to block the disruption just feels really frustrating. I think just like a few tools to combat that could really help Ranger out. And I think that there's like some pretty flavorful options for doing that. I, I would I would vote against it just because if Ranger gets to do if Ranger gets to keep a six card hand and then have an equipment that says your disruption piece doesn't work this turn, uh, I don't know how any deck beats it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's too strong. Or like or like you could have like a resource cost attached to it, like so that they don't keep a six card hand but they don't get you're like you don't get double CNC'd and like it's not like CNC pummel you lose like your whole arsenal and like and like a card in your hand like like I, I don't know like I just I just feel like like every on hit affects Ranger and it feels 
feels bad. That That's fair. That's super fair. And also just like, I get that Ranger's supposed to be the glass cannon or whatever, because like Rangers are frail and they're not like the Guardian with the big armor. But like, like Wizard is a deck full of three blocks. Yeah, they have lower life total, but they get like all the three blocks. How would you feel if like, instead of like, let's say Kano having 30 health, it had like 40 health, but like all of their cards just block for two. Like if they didn't even have a single card that blocked for three. Kano specifically might be scarier. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, because you just have... That, that is just one, two extra turns instead of... Yeah, yeah he can kind of just, like... I feel like it just incentivizes Kano to just, like, burn you even harder and to try and, like, race you super hard, which sounds kind of spooky, but... But yeah, maybe. I guess I just feel like Ranger doesn't need to be quite so squishy, and, and like, another way they could go is, like, I feel like Fiend Death is an interesting design space, like, where you have like these defensive cards that feel very ranger-ish. They just need to make it not not terrible. <laughs> I feel like that's what traps are going to be like. They're going to have D-reacts now that aren't the worst. Yeah, and and traps could very well like already do this. But but yeah, I'm really hoping that we see like just like a little bit, like again, like not all of it. I think if you get rid of all of these weaknesses, it's like the class is going to be broken and we don't need that. But just like, a few tools to deal with like one or two of these i think would go a long way you know what would be cool is if the traps were like instead of like it being like hard locked to the arsenal which it no longer is um if traps can be played like if it had like an extra line on texas is like if this card was played from your arsenal do one more thing you know that'll be that'll be pretty cool design space maybe that's riptide maybe that is riptide maybe he has maybe he has like a hero ability that gives you a bonus yeah and next episode we're gonna be talking about all the heroes yeah we should have some of the spoilers there's a possibility we'll delay recording just slightly i guess we'll have to see how many spoilers are out like on our normal recording time but we'll definitely be talking about the spoilers next week which is super exciting what day are we supposed to post the video our video is posted on the 5th on the sunday is that Sunday? Yeah, March 5th is Sunday. Yeah, so Sunday, March 5th, our video will be dropping. It'll be on our YouTube channel. I don't know exactly what that video is going to look like. We might record something if we can get around to it. Although I guess we're getting low on time, so maybe we should do that soon. Yes, we sometime this week, anytime this week, whenever you're free, Yuki. Okay, yeah. We have a, um, we have a fun little idea for the spoiler video. I think it'll be... Uh, you know, hopefully a little bit of a different take on spoilers and, and fun for everyone to watch. So something to look forward to for you um, on the 5th. And worst case scenario, it'll be a spoiler video. <laughs> yeah, if, um, if it's just a regular spoiler video and I'm completely lying to you, then we didn't schedule it or editing was hard or we got lazy. Yeah, one of those three. One of those three <laughs> <things>. <laughs> Anything else you want to say or do you have another point for Constructed? Nah. Do you? No, I I am completely done. I just want I just want more defensive assassin. Yeah. I think I'm okay with that. Maybe. <laughs> depends <laughs> depends how defensive this defensive assassin is. But I agree. I think assassin's really cool. And it's actually you know what? I think Outsiders is the first set where I am pretty interested in in i think every hero i guess i like i don't know what the new ones do but like i'm intrigued by them yeah when they're a blank 
blank card with no text on them everyone's gonna be intrigued by them but like what i mean is like i feel like assassin and ranger and ninja like i i like katsu a lot i don't i don't really like fi but i do like katsu a lot so i feel like it's just like a lot of heroes that i really like whereas i feel like a lot of the other sets had like you know like one or two heroes i was pretty interested in and then like one or two that i wasn't so excited about this one i'm just like pretty excited about almost all of them potentially that's that's a good sign that's a good sign on a set yeah absolutely i don't know if that's just like my personal tastes or or what but but yeah i think the classes and the heroes seem really cool yeah i don't know i'm only i'm only really interested in azuri having text or not i don't care about anything else <laughs> <laughs> fair enough and and the moment they're gonna release azuri it's not gonna have a defensive text and i'm gonna be like i i i i don't even know what i want from this set Azuri's gonna be like the the phi of assassin <sighs> please no no your cards with stealth have go again <laughs> no i don't care I, I don't want go again on my on, on bad three power attacks but you can just play all head jabs it's actually fi oh no <laughs> <laughs> no it's not even gonna be azuri's ability if it's gonna be something like that it's gonna be the first stealth card you play will get go again oh, yeah maybe so it's not it's not gonna even be all of them it's gonna be the only the one of them and it's gonna be awkward yeah i guess we'll have to see all right i think that's gonna wrap us up for today um thanks for listening as always if you have any questions you can get in touch with us on social media i'm at yuki leapender on twitter and jay is at ueda j also on twitter or you can email us directly at on the bobble at gmail.com um you're also feel you can also feel free to leave your questions and comments down uh, in the comment section down below on the YouTube channel. And in particular, I'm pretty curious to hear about your Outsiders wish list and what you're hoping to see in Outsiders. Is it the same stuff as Jay and I, or are there other things on there that we didn't mention or think of that you're really hoping to see um, in the new spoilers coming up in, I guess, a week or a few days by the time you're listening to this potentially? Yeah, or if you're listening to it late. It was already out. Maybe we got everything wrong and we're just talking about weird things. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if you want to roast us about how bad our takes are, you, you can do that too. All right, until next time, have a good night. Right, good night, everyone. Oh, actually, I do have a... Okay, wait, wait, wait. I, I, do, I do have a sign-off. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So, so this weekend I kind of went through a little bit of an emotional roller coaster because usually I'm pretty good about this. Um, but on the on Friday, I guess um, I had already requested the time off work to go to PT Baltimore, and I had gotten basically. The request goes to the principal at the school that I work at, and then it goes to the HR department. And I had made the request, it got approved by the principal, HR was taking a little while, and I was wanting to book everything. So I had started booking some of my like flights and things like that. And then on Friday afternoon, I received an email that my uh, application was denied and that I wasn't going to be able to go to Baltimore. And I won't go into like all the detail about why, but I was uh I was pretty disappointed. 
and pretty upset. Um, but I did end up reaching out to HR and sort of appealing and just, you know, explaining a little bit more about the event and that it was really important and hoping that there was just some way I could get to go. And of course it was like Friday afternoon. So I don't know. Um, they don't care. They yeah. They don't care. They want to go home. They'll deal with it later. But I was like all weekend just being like, oh man, I'm not going to go to Baltimore. This sucks. And then, uh, Monday morning, I actually got good news. I found out that the request got approved, my appeal did work, and I do get to go after all. And um, yeah, very relieved and a little bit lucky there. Um, don't, I mean, I feel like this is obvious, but don't don't book your flight before you get the time off. It's a uh, it's a bad idea. I think I just got like two. I've never been denied at the HR level. I've only been denied by my principal before. So I was like, HR is not going to care, right? And then they're like, oh, no, we care. And I'm like, oh, no. So yeah, anyways, don't do that. <laughs> okay, uh, at least you get to go, though. Yeah, at least I get to go. So that, that's why it's been like a little bit of an emotional roller coaster as I was pretty unhappy over the weekend and then feeling a lot better today after the good news. So yeah, big relief. And excited to be going to Baltimore with like, you know, I have plans to go um, with a lot of my testing group. We have like an Airbnb plan that we were going to be renting and it's just going to be a fun event. I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone. So I'm glad that I can make it. Have, oh, it's outsider. So you don't get to start testing for at least another two weeks. No, that's not true. As soon as we get spoilers, I get to start testing because I have the release weekend tournament in in uh, in Chicago at Min Max Games. So, um, oh, but we're not going to get everything. Yeah, but like we'll get most of it. Like, I mean, in, in the past they did. Um, like Fluke and Box and Fab Unsealed and like some of those people that do box opening videos ended up getting like boxes to open after all the spoilers were done. And we got to see like people kind of piece together all the cards. So I feel like we're going to know almost all, all of it or almost all of it, or at least like a big enough chunk to be able to start. Start Sorry, like, I yeah, like start trying out the new heroes, start figuring out like what cards are good and not. And then like, you know, if there's something major that we miss, then we can slot it in and see how it works. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Should be a lot of fun. Are you, it must be a pretty exciting week then for you in the coming next couple of days or I guess one week. Yeah, I'm actually like really, really excited for spoiler season because um, I know I'm going to get Nia to test with me right away. <laughs> I feel like I'm always just dragging <laughs> Nia along, but um, he's pretty keen about it too, so. <laughs> that's good. But yeah, it, it should be it should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And that's part of the reason I haven't been playing a ton of fab. Like I made it out to one armory, but just been taking it pretty easy because I know that, you know, all this is coming up. So yeah. Maybe maybe I'll play I don't know. Maybe I'll play the RC in Vancouver as well for Magic the Gathering, but <sighs> standard sounds so bad. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I'm so I was disappointed. Um, last Tuesday, I tried to sign up for the Pokemon Regionals again, mm -hmm. 
and uh, they had like um, a window where, like, at six p.m. on Thursday, they released the like seven more spots for the TCG, like Pokemon TCG registration. And so I was at my computer at six o'clock, and I clicked through the all the things that I needed to click through, and at six o'clock and thirty seconds, I clicked register, and it says this registration is full. I guess you were thirty seconds too slow. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I I was at the computer like starting the the process I, at, at the exact moment, so it was probably like five seconds too slow. You didn't get a robot to do it for you, so you were too slow. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking it is too. <laughs> so um, next uh, next Thursday there should be more openings hopefully, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get into this Pokemon Pokemon tournament, but if not, I'll probably join you at the RC. Yeah, I haven't decided if I think I'm gonna go no matter what, just to hang out with people and like grind side events. I'm not sure if I'm actually gonna play the real event. The last chance. Yeah, like if I want to try and last chance qualifier in on the Friday and then play the event. I have like no test. I I know nothing about Xander. I haven't tested it at all. But I mean. I have it's a bunch a, of wild It's cards. a mid-range format. It's a, it's a mid-range format? Yeah, it's a mid-range format. Yeah, I heard there's like mono-white mid-range. That deck looks kind of sweet. Oh, I can play Grix's mid-range. It's true. But that deck's expensive. Yeah, sounds like a great deck. It's only like $400. I don't want to spend $400 on magic cards. I think the mono-white deck is like same same price. Ah. <sighs> Because you have to play Elishnor, which is like 45 bucks each. Maybe I'll just play Mono Blue Aggro or something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that deck is dirt cheap. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you should just play, you should play side events. Yeah, maybe that's a better idea. You can just go draft. I guess we'll see. Yeah, Drafting uh, Phyrexia all will be one's pretty fun. Yeah, the format does seem sweet. I've drafted it all of <laughs> one time. <laughs> I got the diamond actually already. Oh, so you like the format? It's uh the format's uh uh e- yeah like it's. It's not my favorite. It's nowhere close to my favorite, but it is mindless, which is something I like about the format where I'm just like, during the draft portion, I'm like, click white card, click white card, click white card, click white card. And then I go, turn four, swing with all. Is my opponent dead? No? Ah, I lose the game. That's fair. Yeah, it seems like you want to play all the cheap cards. Yeah, if you don't have a two drop on turn two, you probably lose. If you have a one drop on turn one, you're doing real well for yourself. Yeah. If you get to play something on turn one, two, and three, real good. Yeah, can't lose. <laughs> Unless your opponent also does the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think this is good enough for the sign off. Yeah. Good night, everyone. All right, good night.